0: Mover Nation. I am bringing back a classic, that's right, I have in my hand, Letters from Prison. We're going to get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Trauma. Mover Nation, what a day! What a sad thing to learn about the passing of Robbie Robertson. End of an era, as we say. I feel like all the good music not to be not to sound like an old man, but you know, all the good music from that generation is slowly going away. I think Keith Richards will still outlive all of us, but um, yeah, very, very. Very sad. I was going through the Google Trends because this is the Wednesday wrap. I figure let's talk about a bunch of stuff, right? And then I see this and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I have a leak in my tub, like the bath, like the bathtub itself has all the laminate has come up. I have to leave my my place for like 24 hours. I can't use the shower for 48 hours now. Uh, when they come to fix it, I have to get me and Marisol out of here. There's a fine if I'm here. I guess it's very toxic what they're going to do what a pain in the butt. I have to like cover everything, put everything away. Like it's kind of nuts, right? For those of you that are in Hawaii, there's a big Maui fire that's going on, which is just, wow, people are jumping in the ocean. But I watched last night, uh, for those of you that are Ohio fans or Cleveland Brown fans, unfortunately, uh, there was the Johnny Manziel documentary, which came out last night on Netflix, which I watched, which is very interesting. Uh, primarily because i uh, it's interesting because he was a very—he um, won the Heisman Trophy when he was a freshman. He was the first person to ever do that in the history of the Heisman Trophy. He was drafted by the Cleveland Browns, but he had a really bad drug and alcohol addiction, and it just completely—it it completely unraveled his career before the career ever really even started. He was tremendously successful his freshman year in college, and uh, obviously winning the Heisman Trophy, but battling his own personal demons really is ultimately what caught up with him. He got into a very big partying lifestyle and he, he did have a lot of things to say with the NCAA for the long longest time. I didn't, I, didn't, I still really don't watch college sports because I felt like college sports and college athletes were often uh, exploited there. I mean, why are, why are, um why are universities able to sell jerseys and merchandise for sports teams that are, that are literally um that are only, on the national stage, because of the athletes that they recruit to play in these games, that are, you know, top athletes, and all they give them is a college education. And oftentimes, I even discuss this many times with my friends. There's, there's quarterbacks at Ohio State, which is a very big, obviously Big Ten school, and and very very successful in the co- in the college circuit. And uh, you know, I remember a quarterback being suspended because he got tattoos, and I'm like, who care? Like, who cares? The kid got a tattoo, he's in college, and. All these universities make so much money. And Johnny Manziel was one of those people that really spoke out against that. So good on him for that because he was taking, he decided to make money from his own autograph because the they the school sold out of his jersey. They sold $45 million worth of jerseys with his number, his number two on it from Texas A&M. And um, it was pretty interesting. Interesting the, the uh, commodification of collegiate sports. Something I've always been very passionate about. But, I want to bring back a fan favorite. You guys have been requesting this for a while, and that is Letters from Prison. My father's Letters from Prison. I have, like I said, over 500 of these. We can pick and choose. It's all good. Uh, but I have some of these that have just been here that I've wanted to get into. And, I, and last week, uh, somebody said, why don't you bring I said, well, what should I bring back? They said, Letters from Prison. So here we are. We're going to do some Letters from Prison and uh i hope you guys find these as entertaining as i do um you never know really uh what you're gonna get out of my father that's for sure so here we are this one is from may 2005 and i'll set the table here so i was living in hollywood this is may 2005 I was living with a girlfriend of mine and um, this was probably the first relationship that I had, um, that I had really um, shared my story with. Um, I mean, in a way of, like how i felt. And there was a relationship prior to that where they they knew my story and they had they were very opinionated about it and what i should do with that, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but this is the first relationship where i was cohabitating with someone and letters were coming in from prison to where i was living. So i had to kind of be a lot more open with my story and that was probably the first time that 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 was the first time that i could really you know, because we had just started living together. This is May 2005. We had, so I think we moved in end of April. So this would be the first, this would be the first, uh, the first time that I've ever really uh, received a letter probably at this new new place we got together. Thank you so much, Tyler Johnson, or Tyler Jordan, sorry, Tyler Jordan. Uh, Legend, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, donating, giving a super chat, super sticker. All right, so... Uh here we go. So Wednesday afternoon, May 11th, 2005, Dear Bumper. So for those of you that don't know, Bumper is the nickname that my that I had as a child. So uh there were guests that I had on last week, Nikki and Patrick Tomlinson, Nikki Robinson and Patrick Tomlinson, which there's a lot of mixed reviews about that with people and I know that some of you guys were harassed on the channel by people who were who uh were, you know, fans of theirs, if you will. Um, it's very interesting because, uh, there was a lot of mixed reviews on their story and this came from a trusted source. They have been on, you know, inside edition and different you know, high level news programs like that came from a friend of mine said, Oh, you should interview them if you're looking for somebody to talk about stalking. And, um, there were definitely parts of the story that, uh, I definitely, um, I was taken aback by. So, uh, you know, I'm here to provide entertainment, not, to, and and a little bit of cogent analysis. Uh, but I wanted they they felt very strongly about sharing their story. I do. I have noticed since then that uh, that Patrick engages a lot with these people online, very aggressively. Which um, you know, I think for me, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I would choose a different route just because it spirals out of control, as we saw in their interview. So I just wanted to clarify a little bit about that. Uh, because there's been a lot of interesting takes and I've received a lot of interesting messages uh, from people regarding that interview. But um, again, I I give a platform to people, uh, you know, they've been on major media programs, vice, et cetera. Um, so I felt good about it. Karen, uh, Isabel Stewart, thank you so much for, uh, for contributing, thank you so much. It's very, very kind of you for the super sticker and the super chat. I don't know are these are these super stickers or super, super chats. I do this through a program, by the way, so I'm not directly on YouTube, so I can't really see uh, what it is. It just comes up in different colors. So, anyways, here we go, dear bumper. So, oh yeah, I was I was explaining the reason why I got into the Patrick the the story is they had the blue angels flying over their house, and somebody had commented and said, hey, uh, that's really buses. They live on a major bus line, etc. And they were saying it's the blue angels that are practicing. So I had to clarify to that person, look, um, I know what the blue angels sound like because I literally lived, I grew up the first five years of my life on a naval base in Dahlgren, Virginia. And the blue angels used to land in our backyard in a landing strip. So I saw the blue angels. I know what jets sound like. Those were jets flying over their house. Unless those are the, those are buses with jet engines. No, those are literally jets flying over their house, or at least what it sounds like. So, uh, I, and and this nickname bumper is derived from that. So when I was a child, I um uh growing up on this naval base, all, all all fighter planes have no well all airplanes in general have nose cones, right, which is usually where the radar is housed. So I would point to the nose cone of the airplane and say bumper because I thought it was like a bumper like a car. And that's how I got my nickname bumper. Now you know right here straight from the horse's mouth so my father and my mother also called me bumper growing up so he always says dear bumper here we go dear bumper greetings from the big house a very humid day in marion with no sun and overcast skies well it's overcast and and no sun here i have a smart water sport bottle filled with marion county dumb water that keeps me hydrated as i as i drive this desk Dutch brought me your letter yesterday and I was happy to hear from you, but even happier to hear about your successful path. Remember, always walk through life with a strong inner, inner and moral compass. Have a goal bigger than yourself. Grammy always said to face life with an equal resolve, regardless of what comes at you. I know you can do it all. Dutch did not download the pictures But I will do so and bring them in. He will do so and bring them in to me tomorrow. Now, this is a guy who was outside, who was part of the church group that my father was involved in. That would sometimes bring letters in for me um, because I would just email them to him instead of putting a stamp and going to the mailbox and putting a letter out like we all used to do many, many years ago. I would just email them to them and say, hey, can you just give this to him? It was easier to communicate. Since then, obviously the prison system has its own emails that you can use. But at that time, uh, we were dealing with a different system that didn't exist at that time. So uh, I'm anxious to see what, the, what is on there. I think all the opportunities are just great. This is all part of being in the right place at the right time. Yes, I remember the Elton John concert. I also like his music. I think it was a wise decision to abandon the Latin pathway because the genre seems flooded with all sorts of Hispanics trying to make it big. We even have a specific Hispanic section of the in-house television station, PNN, prison news network, featuring their music, etc. We are not Arizona, but we have a large Puerto Rican contingent in the prison. I suspect out in Arizona and California, you are inundated with a large Mexican communities Here it is, all East Coast stuff. So, interestingly enough, so, okay. So, uh, when I moved to Los Angeles, I went to music school. I dropped out of music school. I wanted to come to Los Angeles to tell my story, but I also was doing music. And I, uh, I, um, wow, there was a very loud, thunderous boom. Um, I, uh, I had gotten hooked up with a few Latin artists and I was going to do Latin music because I had, uh, I I worked at a Latin nightclub and they were like, I used to sing in the band and et cetera, et cetera. I speak a little bit Spanish. And, um, so I was going to pursue this whole thing. Latin music was very hot. And, um, but I was like, you know, I ended up getting away from that. You know, the, the stories of our youth, that's for sure. I mean, I was like 22 at the time. Um, but anyways, so I continue. I spoke with CJ last Sunday, and he did say you called and chatted for a while. Uh, good. Dutch also said you were talking with Susie for a bit, too. Now, Susie was his wife. Now, CJ is my father's brother. So, so CJ stands for Charles Joseph. And, uh, you know, that was probably one of the four times that I've spoken to him over the last, like, two decades. So, uh, he was he was commenting on that some business. It says in bold letters right there, some business I have enclosed an order for some books, which I need for school. I can't beat, I, I can't BJ, beat CJ to death over everything I need. So everything. So I need some help. These books are all from the same store, Christian bookstore, dist- uh, Christian book distributors with all the information you will need. Sorry about the costs, but they are lifetime keepers. The best CD player I can purchase is $75. All of our stuff is in clear plastic and one cannot transport drugs, etc. The best boots I can get will cost $74. All of our stuff must be purchased from a catalog in here. So, you it's here, so you have to send the money and I have to order it. Crazy, eh? But it is because of the drug problems in prisons, plus the state of Ohio is making money off us too. Yes, I did love Enrique Iglesias. Um, money, I will need, uh, it will have to be put into a postal money order for a certified or a certified check. You must print my name and must put my number on the check or money order. You must sign the check or money order using your name. And that is what is officially on my visitation list. No call your Landry on the envelope (laughs) to make it, to make life as uncomplicated as possible. I would suggest sending the money order or check wrapped in a piece of paper called and, and, and mailed certified mail. This eliminates the prison's favorite expre- exp- expression. We never got it. I don't have to worry about the books because that stuff is tracked by the distributor. Some basics. I am glad you and Chrissy are, ta- are, are talking and are bonding, which is what I want for many, many reasons. I will just touch on a few things here. Chrissy is a fragile is fragile and young. She is just quote finding her father. Now, this is, no, so this is 2005. My sister would be 15 years old at this time. My sister, Chrissy, who is my half, half sister, uh, Mary Hathaway. Thank you. Marie Hathaway. Thank you so much for uh, the super sticker. So uh, Chrissy would be my half sister who was born uh, 12 days before my father was arrested for the murder of my mother. And uh, we were just starting to communicate as, I mean, she's not an adult. She's 15, but I had, I, my adopted parents, George and Susan had, um, we're very, we're very passionate about, and we're, we really try to have me develop a relationship with her as much as I could, um, as much as I could have with a, you know, a small, you know, she's my sister, right? So she's much younger than I am. And as, as complicated as that whole situation was, right? So um, this was the first time that I started sort of speaking to her when she was like in high school, because she was asking me a lot of questions like, who's our father? Who are you? <laughs> What's going on? Because she was uh, a lot of times kept in the dark. Um, I came to find out, um, which, you, you know, I, I, I think... Her mother, you know, I don't think her mother made decisions to not, you know, not let her know about certain things as she was growing up because it was just very difficult and challenging, right? And my father is incarcerated and she was remarried. And so there was all these other things, all these other extenuating circumstances that were affecting that dynamic. And she never, you know, she, as a mother wants to do, they want to protect their child first and foremost, right? So... He's commenting on this. Chrissy is fragile and young. She is just, quote, finding her father and her brother. Bonding is important because of her environment. I'm actually shocked she was allowed to write me and you, and you, but I have some theories on that issue. I have written Chrissy regularly as I have written you over the years. I suspect Sherry did not give her any of my communications, so her letters to me are an absolute surprise. I always sent the letters and cards to the Harlan Road address. Nothing ever came back to me, but nothing ever came back from me, back to me, from you either. So all those letters and mail are in the great ether, I suppose, question mark. At the same time, I am also awed by her accomplishments. While in Sherry's imposed hibernation of her violin, tennis, 4.0 grades, uh, moxie guts, she has referred to, uh, well, the sherry's husband so i won't give his name but she called him woodhead so i don't think that she is fond of him i have no idea what his status is at the house but that is another issue all of my input from others is he is a world-class a-hole but i have not conveyed or can comment on that to chrissy remember fragile i don't want her to too rambunctious at the moment. I strictly keep the conversation between me and her family, and not about Sherry, etc. Anybody, Chrissy, and and us. I don't ask about the others at all. My theory is again, I am stunned by her recollections of Grammy, which is my grandmother, which is her grandmother, which is my father's mother, Grammy and the smells of grammy's apartment and her love of the puzzles and biscotti and that she remembers and, and, and what she, uh, the uh, sorry the loves of the pizzels and biscotti that she remembers and all of grammy and of grammy herself remember she was only 3 when she last saw grammy i cannot believe sherry told her about grammy unless one believes my other theories so i'm sure there's going to be some interesting theories coming up here uh by the way pizzels are what you make they are a cookie that you make in, in in italy my grandmother is italian so we would always make pizzels together they're made on a pizzelle iron they look like little waffles they're very thin they're usually sweetened with anise or anise and uh they taste very good and they're very good little tea cookies and they're yummy yummy or yummy. you can have them in chocolate you can have them in berries there's different little lemon peel it's a whole thing uh and then biscotti is the biscuits that you dip in espresso or cappuccino etc etc I digress I keep all my letters to Chrissy on point and kosher I have no doubt in my mind that Sherry is reading everything letters emails etc part of my theories again when Chrissy is not around theories Sherry is no intellect very basic I always thought she was a quote nice girl but I was obviously way off base as intelligent as I happen to think I was I was not I learned that the hard way so to speak Now here he goes into, this is the very interesting thing because this is my father's girlfriend who he was planning the new life with, which is in the house that he buried my mother underneath the basement floor of. And now he's going into, because now she's in another relationship, they're no longer together, obviously 15 years at this point now. He's been incarcerated, so now he's gonna badmouth her, who's the mother of my sister, right? Uh, Sherry, while not being an intellect, is extremely street smart. And shrew, do not underestimate her in any fashion. Hence, the opening of the Chrissy window, I feel, is well calculated by Sherry using Chrissy, unknown to Chrissy. I have not figured out exactly why yet, yet but my experiences with Sherry tell me she is, a very cal- she is very calculating. Plain talk, Sherry is up to, quote, something using Chrissy. Maybe not, but I believe she is using Chrissy to get to us in some fashion for information, etc. So, what's interesting about this letter is now he's putting us in this like us category, right? Because it's like you and me, buddy. And one of the things that I find a lot with narcissism and abuse and manipulation and things of that nature is that um, it's always the concept of 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 unite against a common enemy. Hey Movers, did you know that one in five Americans has learn a new language on their bucket list? If you're one of them, make 2024 the year you finally check it off with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Designed by over 150 language experts, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are your passport to speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Real people, real conversations, that's the Babbel way. Babbel's tips and tools are not just lessons. They're companions in real-life situations. The approachable, accessible content is delivered through conversation-based teaching, ensuring you're ready to shine in the real world. Before Babbel, I couldn't imagine effortlessly ordering food, asking for directions, or chatting with local merchants, and all without consistently checking a language app while I'm on vacation. But Babbel makes it easy, providing the practical skills you need for real-life scenarios. Struggling with pronunciation? Babbel's got your back with speech recognition technology, helping you perfect your accent and sound like a native speaker in no time. Hola. Hola. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Collier. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash Collier, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Collier. Rules and restrictions may apply. I had to tell my Alexa to stop the radio, which I kept on from Marisol. Uh, so in that, so it's this unite against a common enemy, right? So now he's like, oh, it's just you and me, buddy. And now we've got your sister. And it's like, he's trying to create this family unit that he completely demolished and destroyed and and uh through his selfish actions and he now of course is also blaming sherry who is of course a victim as well because she was the girlfriend and she was there you know and she was supposed to move into the house where he had buried my my mother in. so it's a lot it's a lot to to put on someone it's also a lot to 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 try to make something out of it that's just not true, you know? And this is the, this is the thing, but this is the, the gaslighting, the manipulation, like, Oh, it'll be us against, it'll be, it'll be this us against them. you unite against the common enemy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because as we get into a little bit later on the, in the letter, there's a purpose. There's a, it's, this is the setup for all this all master narcissists, master manipulators. You know, we had uh, last week I had on the program, Dr. Uh, Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, Dr. Z Psychologist, as she's in on Instagram, and we talked about narcissism. This is one of the things, oh, let's do this. Okay, now let's unite against a common enemy, and then there's going to be an ask later on the letter, <laughs> which we're going to see, or not even really an ask, a suggestion, but a suggestive of, you're going to do this. So, which of course relates to him getting out of prison. Uh, so where was I remember I am at the end. Oh, here we go. So, uh, so he says, I'll backtrack a little bit. I have not figured out exactly why yet, but my experiences with Shelley or with Sherry tell me that she is very calculating. Plain talk. Sherry is quote up to something using Chrissy, but maybe not. But I believe she is using Chrissy to get to us in some fashion for information, etc. Remember, I am at the end of my prison sentence. Perhaps she is looking for a sense if she is about to begin one. That's super interesting. Okay, so now he's, he's saying that 15 years after the murder of my mother, which he is incarcerated for, which she was found guilty of by a jury of his peers, which I heard him commit, by the way, which was premeditated because all the evidence led to that, that he had purchased this house to bury her underneath the floor, that he had purchased the tarp to buy her, body and then he rented the jackhammer all before she was killed. Um, he is now suggesting that somehow she is going to go to prison, probably because he's trying to play on what he perceives to be as my hatred of her or some sort of blaming the death of my mother on Sherry and not on him, which is utterly fanciful or complete bullshit rubbish. Right? So, uh, she says, maybe I want, or, or her, her, uh, and then he refers to her uncle, which was my father's business partner. His name is Mark Davis, or maybe Mark Davis is maybe she wants to know my feelings voiced through our family posture and attitude towards Chrissy possibly about Mark Davis is Jack going to do something to Mark. What is Jack and his family up to? Is Jack going to come after Mark or me about Noreen? These are all viable questions for someone in Sherry's position. Now, again, my father's trying to plant these seeds in my head that somehow that his former business partner, Sherry's uncle and Sherry, his girlfriend who he impregnated with my sister is somehow going, has somehow had something to do with the murder of my mother which again is rubbish because I heard him do it and because he planned it all. So this is crazy nonsense. But again, this is what, when you're, when you're trying to manipulate someone to testify at the parole board for you, because as he says, he's at the end of his prison sentence. So he was sentenced to 21 and a half years uh, in prison. Then you have to come up for parole. Right. So the little is whining, which is very upset. Uh, so it's interesting because now he's trying to position all of us. He's trying to sort of triangulate and manipulate the whole situation. Right. So who knows what he also tells Chrissy and who knows if he still has communication with Sherry at this point, if he's still talking to her and trying to manipulate, uh, manipulate her as well. So he's trying to do all these, he's trying to do all these different things in this particular scenario that are all just not really working out very well. Um, but he thinks they're working out. And again, we're gonna to come to this whole situation here uh, with the ask that he is asking for. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just kind of completely completely crazy. Um, okay, so you know there is, so here I'll continue. You know there is nothing better than to have Jack make threats against Mark or Sherry. So they can turn to Mayer, who who is the prosecutor in my father's case to keep me in prison, to be, to keep me in prison longer. Sherry will use any tidbit of information to cover Mark and herself. If she can get that out of you or CJ, my, my uncle, his, his brother, Charles Joseph or anyone else, she will use it to protect Mark and herself. And he writes in bold letters, don't miscalculate her shrewdness. Do not be fooled by Sherry's presumed sincerity, sweetness, concerns, or kindness. Sherry is lethal. Sherry is not a rocket scientist, but she is a genuine snake. Mind you, I live in California, in Los Angeles. I am almost 3,000 miles away from any of these people. I have no relationship with any of them. I have completely moved on with my life. I am literally just communicating with my sister and obviously communicating with my father because I'm still coming to terms with this entire relationship that I now have with him and, and what this all looks like, right? 3000 miles away. So again, how somehow how I've been sucked up or how I'm getting caught up into any of this nonsense is just, is, is, is rubbish. It's because, I'm not there. I'm not involved in any of this. I'm not involved in these people's lives other than very remotely. And that's just talking to my sister on the phone occasionally as a, how was I? 25, 26 at the time. Uh, yeah. Then he continues. Uh, Chrissy is the unwitting vehicle for Sherry. Just be careful what you say slash write to Chrissy because Sherry is looking for something. When Chrissy gets out of that house, she will begin to. She will be. She will begin to be safe, but not before. Therefore, we all must act appropriately. With as Chrissy could easily be a victim too. Well, Chrissy is not easily a victim. Chrissy is a victim, and a pawn in all of this. And now my father is turning her into a pawn because what he's trying to do is say, "You have to watch what you talk to her about because it's going to come back on me, not me, Collier. Come back on my father." So, he is again. Weaving the web of the fabric of this conspiracy theory that he is using to not only manipulate me into not sharing certain information with my sister right? And the information that I might share is our father's a narcissist or he was a very abusive man growing up and he murdered my mother because I heard it happen. He has no idea what I'm saying to her now. Obviously, I'm not saying that to her. She's a 15-year-old child. I never had those conversations with her. In fact, even when I knew her as an adult, I never had those serious conversations with her because it wasn't really necessary for me to discuss that with her because also. I wanted her to sort of, if she was going to develop a relationship with my father, that I wanted her to be able to do that on her own terms. And I didn't want to taint that in a way. She already knows that he's in prison for killing my mother. I don't need to berate that. I don't need to beat that dead horse, if you will. I don't need to um, to 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 involve her in that because she is... Literally a pawn in all of this. She was born 12 days after my father, or, um, or 13 days after my father took my mother's life. She has nothing to do with any of this. She is an innocent. She is innocent as can be. A baby. So the fact that he somehow is saying that she is. You know, he's trying to manipulate her in a way and try to impossibly do that through me by saying only good things or say, oh, keep everything a secret. Don't tell what daddy says to you or what our father says to you, to your mom or whatever he thinks that I'm doing to sort of cover for him again. This is what narcissists do. This is what manipulation, this is what psychopaths do. They start to sow these little seeds of doubt in order to triangulate the situation, to manipulate people, and this is the destruction. And this is why I share these letters. This is why it was a great suggestion. I believe it was on the outskirts. says, read, read more letters from, uh, from your father, and this is why, because I think that you guys really Start to understand and see these patterns in your own lives of how people try to use these things to manipulate you. Hopefully, you haven't dealt with something as horrific as I have, um, but it's still the song remains the same. They all sing the same song, right? They all just—it's just, uh, just really—it's uh, all the same thing. It's—it's it, all—it's all the same pattern. And as Doctor, you know, uh, Jamie Zuckerman said last week. Once you see the patterns, you can't unsee them. So so when you start to be able to recognize um, these patterns, you, know, you can't unsee them and therefore you can apply this in your own life and somehow start to set yourself on the road to healing and the road to leading a fulfilling life and hopefully getting rid of people like this in your life because this pattern continues to build you have this person in your life this is my father he's very destructive he's very manipulative then it allows another person that comes in they're destructive and manipulative yes es, ver- sí, es verdad claro que si sí, yanina yanina Cueva. Um, it is this is this is exactly how this happens because these patterns keep repeating and repeating and repeating in your life i speak from experience right was involved in several narcissists with several narcissists over the period of my life and in and dating life and, and professional life. I know a lot about this, unfortunately. And then it all started with my father, right? And it all started with this pattern and this pattern continues. And I wish that I had seen this back then i was aware of it but i didn't recognize it i i I realized that he was manipulating me but i didn't understand what narcissism was i didn't understand what gaslighting is i didn't want to understand i didn't understand what triangulation was i was just sort of trying to figure out my own life i mean i still am right but i was at this time really trying to figure it out i was in a new relationship i moved in with someone for the first time and i'm thinking okay what's what's happening i'm just trying to get my own bearings in life on top of just dealing with the fact that I've come from this tragic past too, and what am I going to do with this story? What is this going to look like for me, right? So all of these things are are playing out in my head, and my father is using all of these to his advantage because uh, this is very, a very cunning way to, very diabolical, you know, and that's and, and hopefully you guys can see this and recognize this in your life, so I digress. Uh, I'll start back. Therefore, we all must, be act, must act appropriately as Chrissy could easily be a victim too. Well, yes, as we said, she is. Now she speaks about her grandmother is a Davis and Mark is her brother and Sherry is Mark's uncle. Sherry will stop at nothing to protect the Davis family. This is it in a nutshell. I almost think they are gypsies, but in, in reality, the family came up from the hills of Kentucky. Mark's father and mother to work in mansfield as if there's something wrong with kentucky i don't i don't i don't know me no i have never laid a hand in anger on anyone in my life including the 15 years i have spent in the ohio gulag meaning the prison i played ice hockey in high school for four years i did one year of football i boxed for four years i was all about sports not fighting or anger well Hockey is all about fighting. <laughs> That's a fighting dynamic to it, as does boxing, but I digress. If I had that type of track record, Mayer would have used it at trial. My father was abusive and my father did hit me. That's the truth. So he's lying right there. But again, this is this manipulation. So he builds up. So this is, you know, three or four pages into the letter. And now you have this. Uh, this scenario where, um, you are, uh, you know he's trying to build this rapport and then he's going to infect you in your brain with things that aren't true like you're not remembering this right you're remembering this wrong you know without saying that he's not saying you're remembering this wrong he's just in for reinforcing the statement of i never laid a hand on anyone i never did this so of course and i questioned myself growing up even to this moment did he really hit me did he really behave like this well yes he did and that's just the truth right so but i would say even more so than the than the direct physical violence would always be the emotional and the uh the abusive and the and the walking on eggshells around someone who is like this because they're so apoplectic and they're full of such rage that you just you're constantly tiptoeing and walking on eggshells around them and not knowing if the rug is going to be pulled out from under you so that is very very clear manipulation and grooming, maybe even possibly—I don't know. He's just trying to really—he's really stepping it up. Um, if I had that type of track record, Mayor, who was the prosecutor again, would have used it at my trial. I don't know what a nonprofit is, but you can explain it to me later. I must have mentioned something or, or a uh, a nonprofit, I suppose. Uh, Mansfield. Lord Acton said it best. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mansfield is the epitome of that corruption. About two weeks ago, they put a black mother of two young children in jail overnight because she owed $1.96 in wage tax, in wage tax, uh, ar- I, I don't know, arrears. Raise tax, ar- Wage tax arrears. Yes, $1.96. Now, who knows if that's true? I don't see it's true. Uh, the industry in Ohio is prisons, not steel mills, machine shops, small businesses, mom and pop stores, et cetera. It is the prison system. Ohio ranks fifth in the nation in prison population. Yeah. And California is probably the most prison industrial complex is a very, very bad thing. Mansfield is corrupt through and through mayor. Again, my father's the prosecutor for my father's trial. Has been a prosecutor for 15 years. His reelection campaign always features me as his poster child. Henson, Judge Henson, who I've interviewed on this program before, has been a judge for 15 years. His reelection campaign always featured me as his poster child. The myth of tough on crime. Well, the fact is, my father did commit a crime. It was a heinous crime. They put him in prison. Why wouldn't they use that as his platform? That was the, one of the largest cases in Ohio history. One that rocked the community. Why wouldn't they use that for their reelection or for to establish that? Hey, we did this right. Makes sense to me. Mayor's brother, Philip now controls the probate court, formerly controlled by the other thief, judge Christensen, which I will agree with he, That guy was a thief. Uh, John Mayer, Oh, John Mayer, like the artist? No, just kidding. Uh, John Mayer, another brother, is the chief parole officer for Mansfield. Another brother is on the Mansfield Police Department. Mayer's two sons are in law law school at the moment. Mayer's father was the only common police court judge in the history of the state of Ohio who was removed from the court by order of the Ohio, Ohio Supreme Court for being mentally incompetent. Uh... You know, it goes on to say, Mayor is a known drug user for years, and grew up as a quote bad boy in Mansfield, protected by his father and their friends. At one point in my criminal case, there were eleven attorneys siphoning off every penny they could from the Boyle family estate. Which that's true, Um, but uh, you know, look, James Mayor Jr. was a very kind and wonderful person. He had a lot of personal demons, uh, you know, and he unfortunately took his own life in 2014, I believe, which was just really, really sad when I heard the news. Um, but he was a wonderful support system to me in the trial and as a child. And he was very kind to me and he brought justice for me, for my mother. I don't care what he did in his personal life long before I met him. I don't care what he, if he partied in high school, I could give two hoots left. He did the right thing and got a conviction of someone who murdered my mother. And that's just the bottom line of that. So, um, you know, but of course this is what he's doing because It's not about him and his actions, right? That's the thing with the manipulation, the gaslighting, all these things. It's not about them and their actions. It's about other people. It's always someone else's fault, which is something that really, really gets me in all of these true crime cases when you look at. We saw it last week with... uh, with Lori Vallow and her sentencing hearing, she now has a higher power that she says and, and knows that everyone is much better off because they were eliminated by her and Chad Daybell. What? Like, oh, because she has a spiritual connection that has nothing to do with any of us, that we're, we're you know, she's an elitist, we're not. She has this connection to God, we don't, et cetera, et cetera. She's the superior being, we are not, right? Same thing, my father is is... Casting doubt, casting stones on how all these other people were bad. Look over here, look over here, guys, look over there, look over there, look over there. That's what they do, right? It's always look over there, look over there, because I can't be doing anything wrong. Because if you're looking over there, then you're not seeing what I'm doing. It's the it's the sleight of hand, it's the magic trick. You know, we've all seen it, you know, they have the cups that are moving and moving, and somebody says something, and you look over and boom-boom-boom, and then the ball's under the cup, and then it's not, and then you lose 50 bucks on the street in New York City. I'm not saying that happened to me. But it may have at one point in my youth. Anyways, I don't think it was 50 bucks, though. I think it was like 20. But anyways, you know, sleight of hand. This is all tactical sleight of hand to manipulate people. So uh, it's very, very, it's very, very insidious. And, um, And here we go. Continuing, continuing. Uh, my last pleading in common pleas court was based upon a conflict of interest action. In 1999, I found out that Robert Whitney, who is my father's attorney who still believes apparently that my father was innocent, who has argued that with Dave Messmore, the chief investigator, who, And Dave was like, you're crazy, Bob. Um, who's still practicing, I believe. And he's like 83 or something or 84 now. Who knows? Um, I believe he's still alive. He was a few months ago. um, in nineteen ninety nine, I found out that Robert Whitney was Judge Henson's attorney, Dave Messmore's attorney, and Gene Hart's attorney. Gene uh, Hart was our neighbor who was in the sheriff's department who had testified in the trial that he was not um, that he did not see my mother leave the house and get into a car at the end of the driveway because he was sleeping on his couch. Uh, Robert Whitney was recommended to me by Sherry. My isn't that curious. Well, Robert Whitney was like one of the most successful Um, criminal attorneys in Richland County, Ohio. And that's why he was suggested because they have connections. This is a very small town. So all the people are connected. It's just how it goes. You know, it's a small town. What can you do? Does that necessarily, I mean, you don't think it promotes corruption. Could it? Yes. Did it in this case? No, it did not. And again, it's the grabbing for straws, it's the narcissism, it's the gaslighting, it's the manipulation. Like, let me plant all these seeds of doubt because there's going to be an ask. It's, it's coming up here, I'm, I'm telling you. Federal constitutional law and Ohio Constitution law requires an attorney to disclose in open court his relationship with the presiding trial judge to avoid any conflict of interest. The same federal and state laws require a judge to disclose in open court this relationship with a defense attorney to avoid a conflict of interest. Then the client chooses what he wants to do, either get another attorney or stick with, with the existing situation. In either event, the client must sign a waiver in open court. No one told me anything. No waivers were given in court by Whitney Henson or even Mayer, whose duty it was to disclose this. Now, again, this is interesting because my father kept continuing to use these people as attorneys. And the one thing that they did tell him to do is don't testify on your behalf because you're lying. And he did testify for two days. He made himself look terrible. Um, It was mayor whose duty was to disclose this relationship to ensure a fair trial under the constitutional requirements impressed upon all parties to disclose the relationships. The Ohio Supreme Court's Code of Ethics and Conduct requires all attorneys and judges to disclose their relationships to avoid a conflict of interest. If a defendant proves conflict of interest in an appeal, it is an automatic retrial, again, under constitutional requirements of the Sixth Amendment to a fair trial, right to a fair trial. Mayor could not sustain my retrial with a smarter defendant on the stand and with a different attorney. Exclamation point. No. No, it's because you killed my mother. That's why. And that's why you're in prison. But again, all these technicalities, and there's another video that I'm doing for you guys where uh, my father, he spoke to a podcast in 2019, again, pointing out different technicalities on why he should be let out of prison. Again, none of it has anything to do with him not murdering my mother. He doesn't say, I didn't kill my wife. He just says, oh, technically, because they didn't have this one piece of paper filed by this time that I should be let out of prison. I should have never been convicted. It's pure rubbish. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times when you think about this and we see this legal posturing that exists in these different cases and these cases that are being prosecuted that we see that are nationally known, we see so much of this where we see so much of this where attorneys are always posturing and using these legal maneuvers and these technicalities that have absolutely nothing to do with someone's guilt or innocence. They literally have to do with like, oh, is this technicality? Oh, did this person do this? I mean, we saw this play out in the O.J. Simpson case, right? Uh, with, you know, Mark Furman and going through his records and the racism and things like that, which is not a positive thing, of course. But all these minor technicalities which were used to acquit O.J. Simpson and, and, you know, that's probably the biggest example I can that I can get at. But there's, instead of someone saying, instead of the old-fashioned way of, like this person didn't do it, here's why. It's like, no, you didn't file this piece of paper at this right time for this reason and therefore uh, they shouldn't be convicted or they should be let out of prison. You know, if they're innocent, it should work that way if you're, if they're innocent, but if they're guilty, you know, let, let's, let's judge them on the merits on the facts of like, were they innocent or were they guilty? Like, did they commit the crime? Oh, he committed the crime and he's who cares? He should be incarcerated. End of story. He is not good for society or anyone else around him. That's for sure. Anyways, I get back to this very long letter. Um, and he says, you know, he was talking about uh, to get back to this. If a defendant proves if a defendant proves conflict of interest in an appeal, it is an automatic retrial. Do the Sixth Amendment. Okay, when I filed this appeal, it had to go first to the Common Pleas Court with Henson ruling on this issue. Henson and Whitney admitted the relationships I stated above to you in notarized affidavits. Then Henson turned around and gave the case to Judge James Deweese to adjudicate because I uh, I filed to have Henson removed motion to recuse. DeWeese turned around and and ruled it did not matter that there was no conflict of interest and that it, and that I had a fair trial. I appealed that decision to the State Appellate Court which in turn supported DeWeese's decision. The State Appellate Court is located on the second floor of the Ohio, of, of the state courthouse. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I don't know why this is interesting, but uh, the Ohio Supreme Court would not grant jurisdiction to hear my case. The federal courts could not hear my case because of the state's highest court, the OSC, Ohio Supreme Court, would not hear my case. I was dead in the water. Mansfield and the Mansfield News Journal, journal all had a good laugh over that. Again, what is any of this matter other than the fact that there is a, that my that my father Kill my mother. End of story. Like, what does this have to do with anything? Anything at all. So, oh my goodness. So, again, this has nothing to do with anything other than my father just trying to grab at straws to get out of prison. If I had won my issues, conflict of interest, in court, I could have had everyone disbarred from practicing law anywhere. I could have sued for damages for all the time in prison and the damage to my family. I could have had a fair trial, exclamation point. But again, you're not saying at any point here that you didn't kill my mother. You're just saying that you didn't have a fair trial. Again, there's a technicality. There's technicalities to all this, and there's levels. And again, he's trying to manipulate me as an adult because it's coming up. Don't worry, it's coming up. We'll get to the good stuff. I have no avenues for any appeals left anymore. If I did, they would have to go to Richland County Common Pleas Court for hearing. No Mansfield attorney will do that for anyone. The courthouse is their bread and butter. So why kill the golden goose? Politically, it is suicide for any attorney to go against Mayer or Henson or DeWeese. If I had millions and could afford an attorney from elsewhere, my own dream team, I would spend millions and still lose. I think you can understand this based upon the mischief they pulled on you by Judge Christensen. Well, I did have mischief of my own pulled on me, which did suck in probate court over my family's estate, but uh, that's not what this is about. So my recourse is this only. I have a very good prison record, the proverbial model's prisoner. I am completing my education in the ministry as a theologian. I have two children. Here we go. I have two children who will speak on my behalf when I go to the parole board in 2011. I'll repeat this again. I have two children who will speak on my behalf when I go to the parole board in 2011. I have successfully completed every program the state of Ohio has required of me. I have an excellent work record at slave wages, I might add, both outside and inside the prison. Well, yeah, you, you are in prison. You do not make money. <laughs> I have no record of violence anywhere in my life except this, quote, fraudulent conviction. I have no previous criminal record. I am employ- employable. Finale. I tell you all this because I do not want you to vent any anger or at anyone. I do not want you to waste your money or energies fighting the corruption or the crooks. There was no money and there was no fight anyway. So there you go. I want you and Chrissy to be as a family. I will require, I will require you being delicate with this fragile baby of ours, because she is in the hands of some really nasty people. Again, my father is alluding to the fact that they somehow had something to do with my mother's murder and not him, even though he has also admitted this. And he admitted it in my film, Murder Mansfield to a certain degree that he took her life. So all of this is complete nonsense anyways, to put it mildly. I will be out of here in another six years. I will restart my life again and go on from there the best I can. I do not like what happened to Mommy K. That's what my father used to refer to my mom, Mommy K. What happened to our family and what potentially the crooks could do to you or Chrissy, Chrissy. So in my position, I bite my tongue and play nice so I can come home again. CJ and Mimi, Mimi is his sister, have said they would never come to Mansfield again. I am very proud of your successes because I knew you could always do it. You have the abilities to be very successful and always be very successful. The boil brain thing, you know, ha. Yes, I want you and Chrissy to visit me this summer when you come into town. Sherry will surely work her way into the Zigglers again, but that is okay and you can see Chrissy. Because Chrissy is under 18 years of age, she must come with a person over 18, which is you. You both are on my visit list. Chrissy will need her birth certificate as ID. The visit room is closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It is open. For the rest of the time, from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., each person can bring $20, some monies in ones, fives, no tens. Quarters are okay. You must pay in advance in the entrance area for any photos to be taken. Polaroids at $1.50 apiece. Maximum three per person. I need a photo of my family. Saturday and Sundays are written are by written appointment only, so forget that if you can. I also want to know in advance when you come because I would want you both to meet the warden, a very nice person. Every day I keep thinking that at the end, I, I keep thinking at the end of the end of this nightmare. I try to think of the future and not revenge. Mommy Kay used to say, "Living well is the best revenge." Now, again, He says, every day I keep thinking of the end of this nightmare. I try to think of the future and not revenge. Revenge for what? You created all of this, man. All of this is created by you. A raving, malignant, narcissistic psychopath who destroyed my entire family. And again, I mean, this is just, you know, again, I show all this because this is, you know, a way, you know, I hope you guys are able to learn from from all of this to recognize these traits and people, how everybody just, how everybody, you know, how, how they use every little tactic to manipulate you and to make you feel bad. He continues, God will take his measure on these assholes. As much as I would like to, I will not for the sake of my kids. Oh, I will make certain they are prosecuted, but I won't hurt them. We have an old saying in the prisons, don't go out and commit the crime you already did time for. Love and miss ya. Stay safe and alert. Take nothing for granted, okay? I'll write more later on this stuff. Ciao. X X X O O O Daddy. And there's a picture of prison barbed wire on the top of this letter, by the way. And then there's the, there's the signature for y'all to see. I don't know what to say. You guys requested prison letters. <laughs> Thank you so, so much uh, for the super sticker on the outskirts. She says, did you know that California Senate passed SB 94? If it passes the house, my father could get out of his life sentence and file for parole. I did not know that. Um, yes, he forgets. <laughs> yes, uh, Karen Isabel Stewart. He forgets that your mom was found in the home that he, your father bought. How did she get there? Exactly. Um, Yeah. This makes for all very interesting, all for very interesting uh, fodder for a podcast though, doesn't it? And look again, you know, like I said, I share these letters. I mean, if I, if I appear frustrated, I'm really not frustrated. I just, uh, you know, I guess when I reread these, I sort of kind of take myself back in the, in the moments. And when I do, when I do read these, I, I, you know, at the time that i was reading these i don't i didn't i don't recognize them for what they are now it took me a long time to get to this place so if you are struggling with these types of things and in this you know narcissism gaslighting manipulation etc etc dealing with somebody who puts you in these same positions in your life don't feel bad it is really hard to recognize this it took me forever i had to make a movie about this to even get to this point where i'm talking about it on a podcast and this has only been the last like couple of years so it literally takes almost a lifetime to sort of wrap your head around this because it's so, if you've had these people in your life for your entirety of your life, it is sewn so deeply into the fabric of who you are. Unfortunately, it's sometimes really, really hard to get out of it. And that's why I share this experience with you guys. And that's why I hope you, I hope you glean as much information as you can out of this, because uh, that's why I do this. Right. I think this, I think you guys respond. Mover nation. I do this all for you. I do it for myself too, but I do it all for you. I want to share these experiences with you. Look, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who support me here on YouTube. Those of you that bought super stickers, super chats, those of you who are my channel members, those of you who are my members on Patreon. If you could right now, please click the like, subscribe, subscribe. Hit the alert bell if you wouldn't mind. If you listen to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts from, whether it's Apple, Spotify, et cetera, if you could write me a really nice review, five stars would be appreciated. Please consider doing so. And please share this program, share this channel with your friends it means the world to me to get this message out, to expand my message and expand what I'm doing. I don't always like to talk about this and share this type of stuff. I love to talk about the happiness that is in the world as well. Uh, Tomorrow, I will have two special guests. I have Lainey Hobbs, who is the director and co-founder of the uh, True Crime Podcast and Paranormal Podcast Festival in Austin, Texas, which I will be speaking at on the 25th through 27th of August this month. I will be in Austin, Texas. It will be my first time in Austin. She's gonna join the program. We're gonna talk a little bit about ethical true crime. And my partner, in the podcast Survivor Squad. Yes, Tara Newell. You guys know her from Dirty John. You've seen her on this program before. You've heard her on this program before. She will also be joining us because she is coming with me as well. And um, it is it's it's gonna be a great conversation. We're gonna discuss ethical true crime, what's going on in the world, et cetera, et cetera, promoting the festival and all of those things. Thank you so much, Black Widower, for being a member again four months in a row. Thank you very much uh, to all of you who have supported this program. Look, uh, we're just getting started here. We're mover nation. We are just getting started. Thank you so much for everyone tuning in. And, um, you know, again, uh, I love sharing this type of stuff with you, but it's not everything about who I am. There are many facets to me as a creative and as a human being. And as this program develops, you will get to see more of those things until then I'm calling your Landry and this is moving past trauma. Thanks y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. For exclusive content around this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon by going to collierlandry.com forward slash support. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star review. If you want to see video episodes of this podcast, please check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash collierlandry. You can find links to additional resources in the show notes of today's episode. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.